0: Welcome to the special presentation of St. Gabriel Catholic Radio. From St. Joseph Cathedral, the diocesan wide Lenten retreat led by Father Michael Kelly. A downloadable retreat guide is available by clicking on the Holy Week banner at stgabrielradio.com. We now go to St. Joseph Cathedral.
1: of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. My friends, the Lord be with you.
0: And with your spirit.
1: Hello, everyone, and thank you for coming back. Welcome, and welcome back. If you're just joining us uh, today, you're most welcome. Uh, we are. My name is Father Michael Kelly. I am a priest of the Archdiocese of Philadelphia. I have the privilege of being stationed and working at the Pontifical College Josephinum. I am the spiritual director there uh, for the School of Theology. And also I have the, an extra perk of working here at St. Joseph's Cathedral every weekend, on either Saturday night or Sunday, uh, with the priests and the people of this parish, I'm very happy about that. So we are in the midst of our diocesan retreat that Bishop Brennan has called us to step into and, and journey into, and as we begin this Liturgy of the Word, we pause for a moment of silence okay, to reflect on our sins, our needs, our struggles at this time, And we ask our loving Lord for his direction, his mercy, his love to help us at this time. Lord Jesus, you healed and comforted the sick. Lord, have mercy.
0: Lord, Lord, have have mercy.
1: mercy. Lord Jesus, you forgave sinners. Christ, have mercy.
0: Christ, Christ, have have mercy. mercy.
1: Lord Jesus, you gave yourself to heal us and bring us strength. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have have mercy. mercy. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring all of us to everlasting life. Amen. Amen. Let us pray. Almighty and eternal God, our refuge in every danger, to whom we turn in our distress, in faith we pray, look with compassion on the afflicted, grant eternal rest to the dead, comfort to mourners, healing to the sick, peace to the dying, strength to health care workers, wisdom to our leaders, and the courage to reach out to all in love so that together we may give glory to your holy name. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen. Our gospel for today is from the Gospel of John, and if you had already attended Mass or on the radio or television or live stream, uh, the Mass, the Gospel rather is from the Mass of Tuesday of Holy Week. If you're taking notes, it's John 13, verses 21 to 38. Reclining at table with his disciples, Jesus was deeply troubled and testified. Amen, amen, I say to you. One of you will betray me. The disciples looked at one another at a loss to whom he meant. One of his disciples, the one whom Jesus loved, was reclining at Jesus' side. So Simon Peter nodded to him to find out whom Jesus meant. He leaned back against Jesus' chest and said to him, Master, who is it? Jesus answered, Is the one to whom I hand the morsel after I have dipped it. So Jesus dipped the morsel and took it and handed it to Judas, son of Simon the Iscariot. After Judas took the morsel, Satan entered him. So so Jesus said to him, What you are going to do, do quickly. Now, none of those reclining at table realized why Jesus said that to to Judas. Some thought that since Judas kept the money bag, Jesus had told him, buy what we need for the feast or to give something to the poor. So Judas took the morsel and left at once, and it was night. When he had left, Jesus said, Now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself, and he will glorify him at once. My children, I will be with you only a little while longer. You will look for me, and as I told the Jews, where I go, you cannot come. So now I say say it to you. Simon Peter then said to Jesus, Master, where are you going? Jesus answered him, Where I am going, you cannot follow me now, though you will follow later. Peter said to Jesus, Master, why can I not follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. Jesus answered, Will you lay down your life for me? Amen, amen, I say to you, the cock will not crow before you deny me three times. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise Praise to you, you, Lord Lord Jesus Jesus Christ. Christ. Again, hello, everybody, and welcome back. And thank you for joining us. Uh, what I'd like to do uh, is just to recap what we did yesterday so if anybody is joining us to have a sense of what we did yesterday on Palm Sunday and, and going into the week. So as I said earlier, when we started, we are making a, dio- a diocesan retreat as we journey into Holy Week. Uh, Bishop Brennan began this retreat on Palm Sunday at his Mass, and in his homily he asked us to please stop and focus and center in to the Lord. And the theme for the week is the gift of Holy Week. And you might rightfully ask, how can this Holy Week be a gift? With everything we're going through with the virus, all its difficulties and rules and restrictions and changing our routine, we can't even come to church. There's so many different aspects of this enemy that's hitting us that we can get hopeless, we can get scared. We are scared and frustrated and stressed and hurt. Well, that question of how this week can be a gift is what we're trying to attempt to pray over and discern on and listen to our Lord as to how he will work through this and still help us enjoy Holy Week as the gift it should always be. Not exactly the same. We might have to cooperate a bit with him on some things, but it can happen. The Gospels that we used yesterday on Monday and when we began here with the Reflections uh, the first gospel was taken from the Palm Sunday, Blessing of the Palms, which is Matthew 21, 1 to 11. And the other gospel that we used yesterday was the gospel of Monday of Holy Week, which is John, chapter 12, 1 to 11. And the first story we looked at, The Owners of the Donkey. That might sound strange why we looked at The Owners of the Donkey, but there's a connection between The Owners of the Donkey and the main character in the, in the, in the Monday gospel of Mary of Bethany. We saw that in the gospel story on Palm Sunday, Jesus sent his disciples to the owners of the donkey, and they automatically gave the donkey to him, to the the disciples to bring back for Jesus. And we saw in that, when we reflected on those owners, that they must have had a real good friendship, a bond, a relationship with Jesus, because when they would challenge the two disciples of of taking the donkey, the disciples just say what Jesus told them to say. The master is in need. And when the owners heard that, that Jesus, the master, the Lord, was in need, they gave over something very important in their home life as workers and home, their donkey. And gave it to Jesus to use for his mission, his journey into into Jerusalem. So they gave of themselves right away because Jesus asked them to. And very similar to the story of Mary of Bethany, Mary is the sister of Lazarus and Martha, and Jesus would come there to visit them. And this particular visit, okay, when he came, uh, Mary was the host, one of the hosts, and she proceeds with the, the basin and the, and the pitcher of the water, but then she did something extra to clean Jesus' feet. It was customary when a visitor came after his journey to wash his hands and feet. And servants were people that worked there would, would do that. But Martha, sorry, Mary, being the host, came to Jesus and began to do this. But she added her own personal top-shelf perfume, as we're told. And once she opened it and began to put it on Jesus' feet, the whole place filled with a beautiful fragrance. Then she took her veil off and begins to use her long, beautiful hair to dry and wash, clean Jesus' feet. And again, to us, that sounds kind of crazy that someone would do that. But again, in the Jewish culture at that time, this was something you would do. But she did extra. She gave up herself. She gave something that belonged to her, her perfume, her own hair, to make Jesus feel welcome. Because Jesus was needy. He was probably tired after his journey. And we were told in different parts of the scriptures he would go there to visit them and just kind of hang his hat to relax after ministry. So each, the owners of the donkey as well as Mary, they give something of themselves. And both owners, okay like I said, they give something of themselves to a needy Jesus. So from them we learned and we questioned yesterday, what can I give of myself in this holy week to a needy Jesus who desires to gift me with this holy week? What, What does that all mean? Well, we had to stop and think about that. Because to answer that question, there's a lot of negatives that hurt us, okay? We can't come to church this Holy Week because of everything with the virus. We're frustrated. We might feel isolated. We're sad. We might even feel hopeless. But hold on there because, see, this is the week that gives us hope, okay? So hang on to that. So... This gift of Holy Week, although we can't come to this beautiful cathedral, we can't, come to our, we can't go to our own parishes, but yet, thank God, through many, many people, right, through many good, the bishop, many good priests, many good parish staffs, many good deacons, permanent deacons or transitory deacons, whatever, people that are working in the parish, they've come up with ways to bring church to you, to your apartment, to your home, to your family, All we have to do is turn on a radio, turn on a TV, turn on a computer. Now, to some of us, that might be a challenge with the computer, but there's always somebody nearby who can show us how to get to church via the computer, the internet. Maybe there's some, in your own parishes, you need to check that. Check their web pages, check their websites, or make a phone call. Find out what is going to be happening in your church in a private way, but yet it can be brought to you through the media. It can happen. And so we looked at that. And then we said, okay, that's, that's a gift right there, that God's working through that gift. Jesus is working through that gift so that he who desires us to be one with him this week, it can happen. But then we had to look at ourselves and say, okay, we can't let everybody else do something for us. we got to do something too. we got to participate. we got to cooperate. And the cooperation is, as we suggested yesterday, I gave you some spiritual homework, spiritual exercise. I said, after we pray here and the service is over, take a few moments just to say a decade of the rosary and ask the Blessed Mother to help us make and create a sacred space in our apartments, in our homes, in our farms, wherever it is we live, in our offices where we work. Make a sacred space. And we looked into some particulars for that. Just get a table. Get a TV table, a coffee table, a dining room table, a big table, a small table, a medium-sized table, whatever it is you can get a hold of in your attic or your basement, wherever. And make that somewhere in your house, a sacred space, a sacred place, a prayer corner, if you will. And just don't leave an empty table there. Again, ask the Blessed Mother to help you be creative. If anybody can help us be creative, it's her to make it nice for her son so we can communicate and be one with him in a very hopefully beautiful way. So get a tablecloth. For Palm Sunday and for Good Friday, the color is red. Make it red. Everybody here in Ohio has the color red because of the Buckeyes, so I'm sure you can find a red tablecloth somewhere in your house where Christmas decorations, too, okay? So make it red for Palm Sunday. Well, we Palm Sunday's over, but Good Friday. But for Holy Thursday... But these days of Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, be purple, like I'm wearing purple, the, color, the liturgical color is purple for these days. But come Holy Thursday, and Holy Saturday, and Easter, it's a triumphant color, white and gold, or gold and white, yellow. Make it happy, festive, if you can. But Good Friday, the red. Red is the color of the cross and of passion, and that's the day we celebrate the passion of Jesus, him on the cross. it be John's Gospel that day get a crucifix, okay? If we're Catholic, and we claim to be Catholic, our homes should have a Bible, a crucifix, some kind of statue of the Blessed Mother, and a rosary. But for this week, we want to use the crucifix to put it on that table and get two candles, one on each end of the table, one near the cross. And you might say, Father, we don't have any candles. You can't go to church and get a blessed candle because church is closed. We can't get there. That's okay. Use the birthday candles, Use Christmas candles, use dinner candles, use Yankee candles, use whatever candles you can get a hold of, and just use it to enhance your sacred space with the crucifix and the table, candles. On Friday, maybe, or if you can't get that, an icon, an icon of Jesus connected with this week, the icon of Palm Sunday, an icon of Good Friday, him on the cross, an icon of him in the tomb, Holy Saturday, an icon of resurrection for Easter and Holy Saturday night. So if we put our hearts and minds to it, and especially with the assistance of the Blessed Mother, believe me, you will create very beautiful churches in your own home, very sacred places and sacred spaces. And when you enter that room or that place, there should be a silence, should be quiet, should be reverence, should be a place where you and our Lord can meet. Okay? So we asked to pray. We prayed on that. At least that was your homework for the night to pray on that and come up with ideas with your, with your family as to how you can do that. Then we also looked at the possibility of people that live nearby us and without breaking any rules or regulations so that we can all be safe and healthy, we tried to think of how we could help them, people that are more isolated than us. Maybe they're older. Maybe they have other diseases or sicknesses they're dealing with. Okay, we need to look at that, see if, if we can somehow help them have a sacred space and a sacred place? Can we somehow help them with their computers to know what time something's coming on, be it a rosary, one of the masses of Holy Week, a private devotion of adoration, whatever it might be? Think and pray on that and ask the Lord, ask his mother, as to how we can better do that for ourselves and families, but also others around us who are in need, who, like I said, are maybe more isolated than us. So that's what we did yesterday. Right now, to take all that and to try to compare it and try to relate it to to today. That's what we want to do. We want to pray, keep praying on this and looking at this gospel for today. Now, I meant to tell you when I started that this gospel is a very scary one because the theme for today is about how evil challenged the Last Supper, how evil hit the Last Supper. But Jesus, being Jesus and having the power of God, being God's son, Jesus pulled a fast one on evil, and evil never saw it coming. So we're going to look at the scary things first, but then don't get frightened of it. I'm going to give you hope. Well, not me. Jesus gives the hope as to what he did during the Last Supper, where he sowed seeds, and those seeds became great sacraments. So as the story begins, we're told it's the Last Supper in John's Gospel. They're around the table. They're having their meal, and sadly, Jesus begins to talk about who's going to betray him, So evil, like the virus, it creeps in. Now, evil must have touched uh, Judas earlier because Judas has been dealing with the Sanhedrin, the leaders, as to returning Jesus in. So he's been plotting and planning uh, to turn Jesus in. And again, some scholars hold, and in fairness to Judas, some scholars hold that the area that Judas grew up in was a very revolutionary area of Jewish people. And it's possible that Judas was, uh, you know, touched by that, grew up with that, somehow was part of his life to free the Jewish people from the Romans, okay? In that, maybe, maybe, Judas, again, and we do the same thing, which is a mistake, we want to make Jesus our Messiah, the type of Messiah we want. We want to tell God how to be God, ever pray on that? You're praying about something and you actually realize you're saying, I'm telling him, the Lord, to do it this way when really he's probably calling me the other way. But I'm telling him how to be God. That could be what Judas fell into. Jesus was a great teacher. Jesus used the word king sometimes. Jesus always talked about kingdom. And maybe Judas got it twisted where he thought, you know what? If I can just get Jesus to the Sanhedrin and they hear him out, we can take over and the Romans will leave Israel and will be free to build this kingdom that Jesus always talks about. But poor Judas didn't grasp what Jesus was teaching about the type of Messiah he was going to be. And his kingdom is totally different than the kingdom of earth at that time and this time. So as, as the night goes on, evil comes in, gets Judas, and you heard the story there, when tips, tips, Jesus gives him the morsel and then says, do what you have to do, Judas could have very well thought, well, he's giving me the green light here. He's giving me the okay to start the revolution our way, not his way. But that's not what Jesus... Jesus is surrendering to this unique mystery of his passion and cross that that he is entering at this time. Okay, so Judas goes out, and we're told uh, that Satan entered him, but as Judas took the morsel and left it once, it was night. Okay, most of the time in John's Gospel, anyhow, when it's night... That means there's something dark, sinful, evil about to happen or approach. And that's what we see happening during this supper. The evil one has already hit Judas. And then he figures, well, if I got him with the money, the best one to go for is Peter. If I can knock him, get him out of the picture, the other ten will be a cinch. Now, Peter loves Jesus. Peter's weakness is he speaks first before he thinks, (laughs) And he acts sometimes before he thinks. Okay, we're all guilty of that, I think. Different aspects of times, maybe in our lives, we say something we don't mean to say, we do something we don't mean to do, and we regret it as soon as it's done. But you see, that's the the part about being close to Jesus. We regret it right away, and we want to do something about it. And Peter, as Peter says this to Jesus, I will lay down my life for you. I'll go with you right now. They might deny you. They might run away, but I will always stay with you. And Jesus knows Peter's heart, and sadly, Jesus tells him, "You know, Peter, before the cock crows three times, you're going to deny me. Before the cock crows, you will go deny me. Three, you will deny me three times." Okay, and that's what happens. However, as Peter goes out into the night, when they all get this when Jesus takes them all out into the garden, and he gets arrested, and evil hits again when the when the when the, the temple soldiers come to arrest Jesus. Okay, and Judas betrays Jesus with the kiss, a sign of love, affection, and Judas uses that to, hand, to, to mark Jesus so that the soldiers can arrest him. And all that scuffle that takes place during the arrest. So the other ten scatter. And Peter runs out into the night as well as Judas has. Judas goes into the night later on with a hopelessness because he realizes what has happened. It didn't go his way. The Sanhedrin tricked him. And Judas sadly. Sadly, takes his own life. How many of us have had to deal with loved ones who did that? But Jesus can work even through that. And we don't know for a fact if Judas somehow gained heaven at the last moments. That's between him and God. And that's the hope we have for people we love who have sadly taken that route. That's Judas. Peter goes out into the night. But only he realizes what he did wrong. And then when he denies Jesus three times, and he hears the cock crowing. And he goes into a deep contrition, an anger at himself, a sorrow, tears. Because Peter knows that Jesus will forgive him. Peter might have denied Jesus, but Jesus will never deny Peter. And Jesus will never deny you or me when we're sincerely sorry and trying to make the comeback. So you see, it's a back and forth between evil and Jesus in this Last Supper. Judas gives in. Peter gives in. The other ten run into the night, except one. We believe John, the, John the, the beloved disciple, stays, somehow finds the blessed mother and stays with her. And the next day she's part of, we'll look at that tomorrow, the next day she's part of his, his passion. Okay, but they're all scattered. The flock has been hit. The shepherd's been hit and the flock has been scattered. And that's the darkness of that story the sadness of the story, the chaos. What what happened to these plans that Jesus had? Okay, we can relate to all that with the virus because it has hit people in different ways. It's hit all of us in some way. It's hit all of us with these rules and regulations where even our work and our prayer, our worship, everything's affected. Our our sports, our, our recreation, everything's affected. So as I said to you, have hope because in this story of the Last Supper, just to remind you, there was two great gifts that Jesus instituted that day, that, that evening. The first is the Holy Eucharist. This is my body. This is my blood. It's for you. Do this in memory of me. So for the record, as Catholics, let's, let's reaffirm our faith and our teaching and our faith and our belief and our practice of Jesus in the whole Eucharist. Jesus at Mass. Jesus in the tabernacle. Jesus in the monstrance. Jesus when he's brought in a pyx from by a priest or a bishop or a deacon to the sick, or a Eucharistic minister to the sick. It's Jesus. It's not maybe. It's not could be. It's not symbolic. It's him. It's really him. Why? Because he said so. This is my body. This is my blood. You, my followers, do this in memory of me. He gave the command for it to happen. He gave the command for it to be. So he makes he institutes this sacrament in the midst of that evil. And also, if you think about it, it's his lowest time as a human being. He's entered his passion. The very inner circle, his 12 friends, they're going to scatter. He's going to be alone before Pilate and, all the, other, and the Jewish leaders and the Roman leaders. He's alone before them. Nobody's with him in the dungeon when he's arrested or beaten up. Whipped and all. No one's carrying the cross for him except Simon jumps in and helps. But the, the, the 12 are gone. They're not with him in his suffering, his lowest point. And he thinks of us and his own, his disciples, to make this gift that will be forever, that will always fight evil, that will always bring healing and direction to us. That's the first gift. The second gift is holy orders, the priesthood that Jesus instituted again on well, that night, okay? And I don't know if you know or not, but priests usually renew their vows on uh, Holy Thursday morning, the ma- whenever the bishop in the area, whenever the bishop of the, of the diocese or archdiocese would have the Mass of Chrism, as it's called, that's Holy Thursday. Within that Mass, when the oils are blessed and the Chrism is blessed, the priest and the bishop renew their priestly vows. It's an anniversary, so any priest you know on Holy Thursday, wish them happy anniversary. And just a quick commercial for the good priests of the Diocese of Columbus. I don't know if you all know this, but when this virus hit, right away it caused concern as to letting priests go visit the sick, especially in hospitals and nursing homes, especially when some people are at the end of their life. And the memo was sent out, and many, many, many priests, religious priests and diocesan priests here in the Diocese of Columbus, responded with great zeal and love. But sadly, many of, many of us got turned down because of age, because of sicknesses that we have, because of other conditions of, of, of the body. So you see a priest has to surrender to that cross of growing old, of picking up different diseases that unfortunately in this case and this need prevent him from doing a very important duty as a priest of being with the sick and the dying. However, within that group, many priests were healthy enough and young enough, and able enough. But even they had to go to school again. I'm told they had to relearn, not so much the sacrament or their hopefully good priestly manner with the sick, but they had to learn from the medical angle what they have to do from the moment they leave the rectory to the moment they go to the hospital or the nursing home or somebody's house, and then come back and go through another ritual of cleansing. Why? So that they won't make anybody sick or that they themselves won't get sick. But you need to know that, that many, many priests volunteered and have, are volunteering going into these places along with the real heroes right now, the men and women of medicine in the emergency rooms, the hospital beds, the nursing homes, anybody that works in those places, a technician, a volunteer, an assistant, whatever it is, right, and they've been approved. They're taking care of our families and our loved ones. They're exposing themselves to a danger, but they're heroes, (laughs) I believe the Holy Father called them that last week in one of his talks. The heroes that they are, every day, every hour, they're going back and forth. So again, any priest you know, wish them happy anniversary. Any of these medical people, you know, maybe you could do something for them, make them a cake or cookies or a meal and put it at their door when they come home because they're exhausted. But yet they use their gift that God has given to them to heal. And the same with the priests. And see, that goes back to the the Last Supper. They're the two gifts two powerful gifts that Jesus instituted and that evil didn't see coming at all that night. So I'm sure the devil, the demons, whatever they were that were hitting the Last Supper, they were probably pretty proud, especially the next day as Jesus went into his passion and stood before Pilate and this one and that one and then got his cross and went through the streets of Jerusalem to be taken outside the gates and crucified and executed and buried. I'm sure the demons were very happy with, with their job, with their work. But what they didn't rely on was the resurrection, that power, that power that gives great strength to all of us. You can never have an Easter Sunday without a Good Friday, and you can't have a Good Friday without an Easter Sunday. And at this Last Supper, Jesus instituted these two great gifts to give us hope, to strengthen our faith, to give us hope, and to strengthen and help our love. So as we look at these two gifts, we reflect on them on Holy Thursday more so than today, but the gift of the Eucharist, and the gift of holy orders. We thank our Lord for these gifts because they help us in our daily life. They help us throughout life. Okay, So that's, that's the good part of the story. That's the saving part. That's the redeeming part. That's the rescuing part. That as evil kept hitting Judas, Peter, the other ten, Jesus had made these sacraments to endure, to persevere, and to give great hope and love and healing to his people for all time not just back then or that night and during the resurrection but for every time, every, every period of history until we, he comes again. He's always going to be in the Eucharist. He's always going to be in the priesthood to give us the love and direction that we need. So that's the good part of that story. It ties in with the gift of Holy Week because that's reflecting on the gifts as a gift itself as to what is this week all about? What's Holy Thursday about? What's Palm Sunday about? What's Good Friday? What's Holy Saturday? When you look at those these feasts and these, these celebrations. And we see what happened. We see how Jesus continues. He instituted these things. He went through these things all for a reason, a reason of love. So as we have looked at these, this story today in the gospel, please, please, please be aware that as bad as this virus is and as bad as all the consequences are that it, it is hitting us with, there's a hope. There's a hope because in that Last Supper, evil hit and tried to destroy everything of Jesus. He simply made these sacraments to give us the hope, the goodness, the grace that we need. So in the midst of us right now struggling, and you can say, well, Father, we can't come to the church and see our priest. We can't come to the church and go to the Eucharist. We can't have a Holy Thursday night procession. We can't. That's right. But that takes us back to how we ended yesterday, our sacred space, our sacred place. How are you doing with that? Did you do that last night? Or if you're hearing it for the first time now, is your mind and your heart like working together to try to find that place where we can meet our Lord and our Lord can meet us? And despite the fact of the, of the virus, but the, but, be, but, uh, but the fact of the blessings of the media, of radio and TV and computer, that we can use them to be with our priests, to be with our Lord in the Eucharist. And that will take you into what we call a spiritual communion. I'm sure you've read about that from your parish. You've heard about it preached here. Spiritual communion is when I cannot receive our Lord in the Holy Eucharist due to sickness or distance or whatever problem I'm going through. Okay, we can always have what we call a spiritual communion. Where again, He comes into our hearts not through the sacrament, but through His grace of being one with us. You need silence. You need a sacred space to do this. You can't have a radio on or music and all kinds of noise. It has to be quiet so that we can sense the Lord coming in. And ask him point blank, your heart from his to his heart. Lord, I don't like this virus thing. It's changed my life. It's causing me stress, anxiety, frustration. I think I'm going to pull my hair out. Everything's leaving. Everything's driving me crazy. Let him come into your heart. Let him be one with you and calm you down and speak to him. Cry to him. Be still with him talk to him, listen to him, and then respond with him to what the needs are in your life, in your home, at your, at your sacred space and sacred place. So I leave you again just with some spiritual homework or a spiritual exercise. If, if, when all this is over, we've done our prayers this, now, this service, I ask you to simply sit there and say a decade of the rosary and ask the Blessed Mother, how can I make this sacred space in my apartment, my house, my farm, my office, wherever it is I am? How can I make it? Or if you started doing it, how can I enhance it? How can I make it better for each celebration of Holy Thursday, of Good Friday, of Holy Saturday, and Easter Sunday? How can I make it better, blessed Mother, so that I can meet your son, and your son can meet me or us, family, a couple if you're married, right? How can that happen? And that the Lord work through that, the same way he did in this gospel. So I said, that gospel's scary when you read it. All these tough, bad things happening. Judas, Peter, the 10. But Jesus institutes the Eucharist. Jesus institutes the priesthood. And Jesus is building his kingdom and going to destroy, it with, destroy the evil as long as we hold on to his sacraments and teach them and preach them and live them and receive them. So I ask you to do that tonight or this afternoon, whatever. Uh, Please take your rosary, ask the Blessed Mother what we can do to make our sacred spaces better, and just be open to the graces that our Lord wishes to give us as we continue into Holy Week and continue into this Holy Week, and letting the Lord make it special for us, giving us a gift from him, and us, hopefully, with our hearts being open, give our gift of love back to him. child My friends, in this time of the Lord's Passion, when Christ offered prayers and supplications to his Father, with loud cries and tears, let us humbly beseech God that in answer to his Son's reverent submission, he may in mercy hear our prayers also. For our Holy Father, Pope Francis, and our Bishop Robert, that the Lord may guide and direct them to be good shepherds in this time of challenge we pray to the Lord. Lord, Lord, hear hear our our prayer. prayer. For our government and civil leaders, that they follow the Lord's wisdom for the well-being of their people, we pray to the Lord.
0: Lord, Lord, hear hear our our prayer. prayer.
1: For doctors, nurses, caregivers, police officers, firefighters, EMTs, volunteers, priests and chaplains, cleaners and so many others who are ministering to the sick, the dying and their families, that the Lord will continue to bless them in their work, we pray to the Lord.
0: Lord, Lord, hear hear our our prayer. prayer.
1: For the men and women of science and medicine who are desperately searching for a cure to this virus, we pray to the Lord. Lord, Lord,
0: hear hear our our prayer. prayer.
1: For the victims, known or unknown, of the coronavirus and for those frozen in fear because of it, may deliverance and healing come soon we pray to the Lord.
0: Lord, Lord hear, hear our, our prayer. prayer.
1: For all those who suffer consequences of the current pandemic, that the good Lord grant health to the sick, strength to those who care for them, comfort to families and salvation to all the victims who have died. We pray to the Lord.
0: Lord, hear our prayer.
1: And now, my friends, we pray together as Jesus has taught us. Our Father, who art, who art in heaven, to heaven Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Lord, Holy Father, Almighty and Eternal God, It is truly right and just, our duty and our salvation, always and everywhere, to give you thanks. For in a wonderful way, you gave the Blessed Virgin Mary a special share in the mystery of pain. She now shines radiantly as a sign of health, of healing, and of divine hope for the sick who call on her patronage. To all who look up to her in prayer, she is the model of perfect acceptance of your will and of wholehearted conformity with Christ who out of love for us endured our weaknesses and bore our sufferings. We ask you, Father, through her intercession, for the hope, courage, and direction that we all seek at this time. Through Christ, our Lord, your Son, who lives and reigns forever and ever. Amen. Amen. My friends, the Lord be with you. And with your spirit. May Almighty God bless you and your families, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. We go now in the peace of Christ. Thanks Thanks be to to
0: God. God. Thank you for joining us for this special presentation of St. Gabriel Catholic Radio, the diocesan wide Lenten retreat led by Father Michael Kelly. If you'd like to download a copy of this retreat or listen to it later, please visit stgabrielradio.com and go to the special features archive.